The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, as I'm sure you can tell from my accent. I've worked for many years in Canada and also with various colleagues in the U.S. I'm retired from practice, but I'm still working in healthcare research and development. Now, I see family caregiving as one of the most important supports for healthcare right across the world right now. Family caregivers, these are the people who provide care to family members suffering health and related challenges. These are the people who are providing care when everybody else has gone home. That, that's the role of the family caregiver. The healthcare systems of many, many countries rely on the unpaid help of family caregivers. And as I'm sure you can tell from my voice, from the way I'm saying it, I'm an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of this show, Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic for today is pharmacists and family caregivers. We're going to hear from Bill Brown. He's a pharmacist with extensive experience in the business of pharmacy and healthcare, and I'll introduce him properly in a moment. He and I are going to talk about how pharmacists help family caregivers with the medications challenges that they often face in helping their family members with their medications. We're going to talk about the healthcare services that, in addition to filling prescriptions and advising on medications, that pharmacists are providing more and more because they are providing more and more of those kinds of services. And then we're going to talk about what the future does or what it should hold for family caregivers as pharmacists expand their services and the challenges that pharmacists have to overcome in providing those services. Now I'm going to introduce Bill. Um, as I mentioned, he's a pharmacist and a seasoned business executive and entrepreneur in healthcare. He's currently the associate owner of a large format, large format shoppers drug mart, which is part of the third largest retail pharmacy chain in North America. In the past, he's provided business development consulting services to Express Services, Inc., the third U.S. pharmacy benefits management company. He was president and CEO of Aetna Health Management Canada, Inc. This was created by Aetna Life Insurance to introduce managed care principles to large Canadian corporations. He was president and CEO of Columbia Healthcare, a company he founded and expanded into the largest private rehabilitation company in Canada and it was successfully sold to Sun Healthcare of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then uh, the last on the list of a very long list is he was president and CEO of Medis Health and Pharmaceutical Inc., which was sub subsequently sold to the McKesson Corporation of California. Bill, let's first talk about the services that community pharmacies provide to patients patients in relation to their medications. What are these services? Good morning, Gordon. Good morning. Well, you know, I guess the traditional role of pharmacists going back is, was, was as a purveyor of drugs and, uh, and, and prescriptions and so forth. Well, that, that, that role has been uh, quite developed in, in, in recent years. And now pharmacists are really into the whole area 
of uh, disease management and uh, focusing more on prevention. Especially when you're talking about uh, the elderly, where it is not uncommon for uh, people to be taking 12 or 13 drugs at once, <clears throat> and the possibility for interactions and side effects and so forth is so extensive. So I think, you know, the role has, has evolved to one of uh, medication management. So many services really, uh, certainly education in the area of diabetes management. Diabetes, as we know, is a, is a chronic disease and uh, can can develop into some pretty serious uh, issues at, uh, at the later, latter stages. So the longer that we can um, to manage this disease, the, the better we can prevent some of those things happening too soon. Uh, the whole area of blood pressure monitoring is very important because of the impact it has on cardiac health and so forth. And, uh, and that sort of uh, educational area. But I think, too, you know, recognizing that when people are taking so many medications, it's, uh, it's easy to get confused uh, and, and to forget and to, 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 to uh, get mixed up a little bit. So a lot of, uh, a lot of basic uh, sort of services could include compliance packaging, the whole area of compliance packaging, which kind of takes away the guesswork as to when medications are to be taken and, uh, and make it a little bit easier. Uh, that's probably a very important area. Uh, you know, follow-up, uh, things like uh, just calling people up and saying, uh, how, how, how's it going? How's the medication going? If it's good, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some hints, uh, reminding them, as, you know, perhaps you should be taking before meals or after meals, basic stuff like that. And also querying them about some of their side effects that they may be having. <clears throat> As we all know, drugs don't really have side effects. They just have effects. But the, um, the effects that you don't want we call side effects. And how to manage those side effects better is, uh, is important because often people will stop taking medication if they're uncomfortable. And then uh, the whole purpose, of course, is, is precluded. So those are some of the areas just to get us started, Gordon. Right. Bill, let me go and ask you now. How do those services that you've just been talking about help family caregivers who are providing care to patients? Mm. Well, you know, I mean, I guess it depends upon how how uh, how extensive this caregiving is is is. But in, in many cases, I suppose the, the family caregiver probably is doing, uh, you know, most of the work. I'm, I'm thinking of perhaps if it's a spouse and the uh, the patient, I guess, is somebody with Alzheimer's or it could be a child with a very severe physical disability. So the more that the pharmacist can do to um, to uh, make that uh, family caregiver's life easier, the better. And I'm thinking of things like, you know, well, certainly compliance packaging is very important because it's it, it kind of duplicates what happens in a nursing home where the, uh, the nurse or the nurse's aide knows when to give which medications at what time. It doesn't have to open up a whole bunch of vials and try to cross-reference them and all that sort of thing. It's all sort of very simple. This, this time of day, these, this is, this, this, these are the medications that are given. So uh, as well, you know, remembering when, uh, when prescriptions need to be repeated, some of the things I referred to before, uh, if uh, if they don't have to, if, they, if the family caregiver doesn't have to, you know, sort of keep a, a, a diary, then that's another thing that they don't have to worry about because it's automatic. It's done for them automatically. Uh, certainly, just the simple act of delivering medication when it's due uh, right to the home, so that the caregiver doesn't have to, uh, you know, worry about leaving the residence and going off and doing it themselves. So, really, being available to do anything possible to make that 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 uh, medication uh that it's taken properly that it's uh, managed properly that it's that it's taken on a consistent basis all of those things are things that the family caregiver doesn't have to be concerned about because they have to be concerned about so many other things with with regards to um, you know whoever they're responsible for in the big pharmacy that um you're um associated with as an owner part owner what sort of interactions do you have with family caregivers and the kind of situations you've been talking about? Well, you know, very often uh, we don't actually see the patients. We only see uh, whoever comes back and forth to the pharmacy. <clears throat> so we, uh, we rely on them to convey uh, a lot of this information. So it's pretty important that uh, we meet with that. For example, you know, let's take something like asthma therapy <clears throat> or, you know, uh, 
chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, these types of things, where there's some kind of an appliance or a puffer or something like that that has to be used. Very often we have to sort of uh, give that caregiver instruction on how to use that and, uh, and, and, and hope to, you know, they're able to convey that back to the patient and administer it properly. So it's, uh, uh, it's very often a matter of making sure, as we know, once you convey information that tends to change, that the information you give that uh, family caregiver is accurate, uh, simple, uh, simple to understand, <clears throat> uh, and it can be conveyed accurately to the point of delivery. I think this is an important point because <clears throat> there's a balance here because sometimes you know, sometimes professionals, I guess, especially pharmacists, I think a little bit uh, too, are maybe more guilty of this than others, in their overzealousness, you know, may provide sometimes too much information. And by saying too much information, you, it's sort of a contradictory thing because it's never too much information. But you can't actually provide information that confuses and creates uh, fear or concern that uh, that may not be uh, may not be helpful. So it's a matter of balancing the amount of information and 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 all really with a view to ensuring that the medication arrives at the right place at the right time to the right individual and so forth, and ensuring that happens by looping back forward, you know, calling the care, family caregiver later and saying, how's your mother doing? Is there anything else we can do? That type of thing, you know. Sometimes it's just a bit of comfort and reassurance, too. You actually ask, you're supposing I show up with a, a prescription for you to fill. Um, would you ask me if I'm the patient, if I'm the family caregiver, or just a neighbor collecting uh, the prescription for somebody who isn't able to leave the house? What do, you what, what do you do about that? Well, actually, in Ontario, and I think right across Canada, but I, I can speak for Ontario because I know you, you, you are, the pharmacist is obligated to, to uh, by law, to find out who the individual is. And if it is not the individual for whom the medication is intended, <clears throat> then it's important to actually document that. So uh, to answer your question is we have to know. Uh, and, and, and then depending upon, uh, you know, the nature of the medication, sometimes uh, <clears throat> it may be necessary to get a uh, uh, power of care document or some kind of acknowledgement that that this person whom you are going to be giving information to has permission to have that information because of privacy issues. So sometimes there are complications because of this, you know. But I mean, ultimately, you um, you want to be you know you want to be sure that the individual has the uh, patient's uh, you know care in mind, and uh, and, uh, and 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 that the and that the patient has given this individual permission for to you know to give them the type of sometimes the information is sensitive, obviously, you know. And so you want to be very careful that you're not uh, you're not surprising the patient by uh, revealing something they didn't want to reveal. You know. Yeah. We're he shortly heading into a break, but just okay. a, a quick question. Yeah. Um, do you actually record the fact that the individual who you've identified um, as a family caregiver? Do you use the term? Yeah. You, you, not a, not, you, you must record it. In other words, it has to be recorded. So they are a family caregiver. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, I mean, family caregiver is a general term, but I suppose uh, it's implicit. I suppose if it's a parent or a spouse or whatever. But you know, I can think of one example actually, where the caregiver is. Uh, I could, this is a specific example that I know of, where the where the family caregiver happens to be a next door neighbor, who has taken a keen interest in the um, in the health of their neighbor who is uh, very, very uh, physically handicapped. And so this neighbor, actually, is the one that does everything. You know, they seem to be abandoned by their family, but the, but the neighbor has uh, taken a keen interest. So they're the ones that I have to deal with. So, okay. you know, it happens. And documentation is really important in uh, pharmacy and medicine, too. So we'll Basically, to everything has to be documented. Right. We're going to get into that into the, in the next segment. Okay. And I have to break, it, break off now to say that it is time for us to take a short break. This is where we pay the rent. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is pharmacist and executive Bill Brown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. When your car starts to gasp and sputter, you take it in for a tune-up. But what about when you get tired and need help? Sounds like it's time for a life tune-up. Simple, straightforward advice and techniques to help inspire and guide you in weathering life's challenges and finding your true purpose. Each week, Lauren and Shore Slocum will give you the tools to tune up your life in a way that's easy and fun. Stop making excuses and live your life. Tune in to Life Tune-Ups, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and tune up your life today. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccinello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Bill Brown. Our topic is pharmacists and family caregivers. And we're talking about uh, the way in which pharmacists interact with family caregivers. Um, and I'd want to just pursue Bill on that theme just for a moment. See, given that family caregivers are often intermediaries between the person needing care and healthcare professionals like pharmacists, how, what steps are community pharmacists now taking to work with family caregivers? You see, you just said, Yes, you do note them as, as caregivers because you have to by law. But I'm wondering if you go beyond that and actually reach out to family caregivers. Uh, could, could, could you just repeat that last yeah. question? It's a question really of, of whether you reach out specifically to family caregivers who show up with a prescription. Um, you've identified them for what they are, family caregivers. What do you do for them specifically? What do we do for them specifically? <clears throat> uh, well, okay. Um, I guess I'm thinking. Uh, well, very often we, you know, because we want to be sure that uh, things get conveyed properly and there's a good understanding of what needs to be done and so forth, we will provide written documentation. Is that the type of thing you're talking about? Yes. And also whether you do any kind of educational work with the family caregiver designed for family caregivers. Well, I don't think specifically designed for for for, uh, for family caregivers, but I mean, I think that if um, you know if a pharmacy is uh, is having a clinic day, for example, or is is uh, maybe having a lecture on some particular disease management, everybody's invited. And very, you know, I suppose often if we know that a family caregiver is looking after somebody with a specific ailment, then it would be uh, pretty common for the uh, pharmacist to call that family caregiver and say, listen, we're going to be doing this about, um, you know, the general topic of, let's say, diabetes or whatever, and it may be good for you to attend as a family caregiver so that you can, uh, you know, better care for the person you're looking after. So, I mean, that sort of thing. I don't know if there's anything specifically for family caregivers. I think it's probably more general nature, the patient could be there, the family caregiver, but, you know, specific circumstances may dictate a, uh, a, uh, an initiation of communication, I suppose, to the family caregiver where it's deemed appropriate. So, Philippa, 
Now, I'm still pressing you on this this matter of communication, um, because in the role of intermediary, the family caregiver is taking information, critical information often, from the pharmacist and then applying it in the circumstances of the person to whom the family caregiving is directed. Now, I'm concerned a little bit about misunderstandings, because you said earlier, you know, these medications and their instructions can be very complicated. Maybe there's occasional information overload. So what do you do to avoid misunderstandings that can arise or could arise when the pharmacist is not speaking directly to the person receiving care and never has spoken directly to the person receiving care? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's always a danger when you're not dealing directly with uh, the individual. So I think, you know, a number of things. I think keep it it simple, you know, try to keep things... And I guess this goes back to my other point. You know, don't, don't, don't provide too much information where it's not, you know, work on a sort of a need-to-know basis on what information is really required here. So keeping it simple, um, you know, always designing packaging and, uh, and, and, and systems and protocols that, that are simple and easy to follow. Um, you know, making sure the written material is um, has been well edited to take out any superfluous information or information that may overly complicate or worry, so that the person can re- has a reference document. Um, always offering, of course, to get on the telephone and uh, and to speak to the person directly or be available for clarification. I think, you know, part of the thing is that people are afraid to get, you know, and we all know about people that go and visit their doctors and they don't say a word, and then they leave and they have no idea, you know, what their problem is. We we often get people committing and say, what am I taking this drug for? Which is kind of a crazy question because they, went, they obviously went in for an ailment. So people are reluctant, I think, to get information. And I think one of the things that pharmacists do is they're less, in, you know, they're less, people are less intimidated about talking to them. So we can we can be available to uh, answer uh, you know the, what what, we, what may what they may deem to be a stupid question, but it isn't because it's an important question to them. So I think you know availability is probably a key factor that we're uh, we're uh, we want we want to introduce here. Right. Now let, let me switch the focus. I'm going to ask you, and I'm asking you, what challenges family caregivers encounter in working with pharmacists. What do you what what do you think they come up against in the way of challenges in working with pharmacists or yeah. working or just generally no we've working with pharmacists <clears throat> I don't know about any specific challenges I think that uh, I think that pharmacists have always uh, especially lately too I think have always been open to helping so um, I, you know I don't think that uh, Certainly, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that there aren't any obstacles in dealing with uh, caregivers. I think, um, you know, I think yeah, the only thing is perhaps maybe initially, and just you know, we want to be sure that the family caregiver has the right to uh, to be disinvolved with this particular patient, just because of the privacy issues. But we try to make it as easy as possible. I, I don't think there are that many challenges to tell you the truth, Gordon. I'd like to think not. And if they do appear, then we just we we just solve them. You know, we we want to deal with them right away. I'm going to make a swift editorial comment, and that is to say to our listeners that you will hear an email address um, to which you can send questions or you know observations. And if you have any observations on the kind of things that we've just asked about, that is challenges that um, family caregivers face in dealing with pharmacists and anything else, please please send us your questions and we will respond. Now, you mentioned privacy. Do have, in your experience, any family caregivers actually raised concerns about privacy? They don't, you know. I, I can't think of an instance... Um, where the family caregiver has brought it up, but certainly patients do. You know, uh, they're pretty concerned about uh, their privacy. Um, it's not often. You know, I think probably, probably the government or privacy, <laughs> uh, privacy advocates are more concerned about it. I think you know most people. Most people assume that their physician, their pharmacist, their nurse, and so forth are acting in their best interest. 
having said that, of course, there are always there are always you know sometimes where uh, people uh, are trying to hide these things, I suppose, from family members and so forth. And there have been instances where somebody innocently has. Uh, you know, has provided information over the telephone, and it's caused some trouble. So, it's a sensitive issue. But I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't want to suggest that it's a huge issue. You know, perfectly fair. Now I'm going to switch switch topics in a way. Um, I would like to ask you now about the services um, that pharmacists provide, um, particularly those that are oriented towards family caregivers, that are, as I'd say, additional to the services directly related to medications. In other words, what are the non-medication services that pharmacists provide and how do they help family caregivers? Yeah, I think that, you know, mostly medicine or pharmacy or nursing hospitals has been traditionally a reactive kind of activity. A person gets hurt, a person gets sick, and all kinds of good things happen to try to alleviate that person's uh, pain and suffering and to make them better as quickly as possible. And, but I think now more and more governments and, um, and, uh, and, and individuals too are, are focusing more on prevention. So I think that key role that pharmacists are playing today are in the area of prevention. And, 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 and in a way, you know, prevention is good because it saves a lot of money on the long term. So in the areas of um, diabetes management, of course, is a key area that pharmacists are involved with now. Uh, and there's a lot of lectures, a lot of uh, documentation. A lot of people come in and they initially want to buy a, you know, glucometer or something because they suspect that maybe they're, or, or maybe they've gone to their physician and their latest lab test has shown a bit of a high reading and so forth. So they want to know how to deal with this, and so that's a key area that pharmacists are involved with, providing material providing time, discussing some of the you know, basic issues in, in, uh, in nutrition and exercise and weight management that can contribute to uh, the management of this particular disease. So I think uh, prevention, education, some key areas would involve uh, diabetes, uh, involve uh, hypertension, uh, involve uh, asthma. Oh, we're seeing a lot and a lot of uh, uh, respiratory type problems today <clears throat> and how to manage those. Hypertension is a really keen one because, for example, many many people uh, go to the physician. The physician diagnoses a little bit of hypertension. After a while, prescribes some medication. Uh, Sixty to seventy percent of people who are prescribed hypertension stop taking it within one year of, of being prescribed. Uh, clearly, because they don't have any symptoms, they think, well, I guess it, I must be cured. Well, we all know that hypertension is not cured unless there's some major lifestyle changes that are made. So it is important that until the uh, hypertension is, goes back to normal, and in many cases it does not, that the, uh, the medication continues. And as a matter of fact, it maybe has to be titrated and changed according to their changing conditions. So that's a key area where we monitor people who are in hypertension. We want to make sure that they're taking their medication regularly, that uh, there's no gaps. <clears throat> and if they're having some kinds of problems, not too many, but sometimes, you know, dizziness or something like that, that we are managing those. Or, or you know, the side effects with medication on hypertension is not, not, not great, but sometimes people do have <clears throat> swollen ankles, for example, or uh, you know mild dizziness and so forth, and for for those very reasons, stop taking the medication. So, I think in the whole area of prevention, Gordon, it's a very key area that pharmacists can play a role. Now we're running into the break once more, so this is just just a quick question. Um, when we're talking about prevention, we're obviously thinking first about prevention of medications-related things, but what about the diseases themselves? Uh, that is to say, some diseases can't be prevented, but they can be managed. But what about what I'll call first-order prevention, how to avoid uh, you know, getting the flu or something of that nature? Just quickly, is that an area that pharmacists are going to go into? Definitely. Um, we had uh, we had uh, the whole H1N1 issue recently here, well, here in Canada, everywhere, really. And pharmacists took a very active role in this area in trying to uh, help patients not only manage 
the flu when they got it, but to manage uh, their household when one of the members of the family got uh, got it in terms of trying to limit spread. And, uh, you know, some of this really basic stuff, uh, kind of like how to wash your hands properly and how often and, uh, you know, what to do uh, in terms of managing the patient. And uh, and if you do have it, not, you know, not sneezing or coughing out loud. So the whole area of managing and trying to limit the spread of the disease was, was very important. So we had a lot of written material. Um, and uh, and just uh, a conveyance to really to everybody who came in uh, to discuss it and so right. forth and, uh, and and of course we were also uh, uh, transmitting or, or giving the Tammy flu quite extensively sure. as part of the government initiative. We'll come back to that after the break and which we're going into now. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guest is pharmacist executive Bill Brown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite, Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. A merchant of hope is someone who has a positive impact on those who have either lost hope or never had it. Tune into a powerful program designed to provide the understanding, motivation, and the passion needed by caring and committed merchants of hope. Join Dr. Crystal Kirkendall each week for an inspiring program, Magnifying the Power of Merchants of Hope. Live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's must-hear radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Help, you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our guest, Bill Brown. Our topic is pharmacists and family caregivers. We were talking in the previous segment about prevention, and I want to go on talking about that. Bill, sometimes there's a medication's emergency. How do pharmacist services help family caregivers in protecting their vulnerable family members against medication's emergencies? Could you define medication's emergencies? Yes. Um, I, I'll say this, that I did a study where... Um, I looked at why people were showing up at emergency, and medications featured quite large. That is, somebody had taken too much, too many, or not taken enough, not been in compliance. And as a result, the um, emergency physician um, made the correction, sent the person back home, then the problem happened again and the ER people, the emergency people were stuck knowing what to do next. Mm. So that's what I mean by a family. Right. Okay, so, no, so I understand what you mean. Like, and you're absolutely right. I, I, I can't remember the exact percentage, but it's like 15 or 20 percent of admissions to emergencies are medication related. So it's a huge number. And so we know that if we could prevent those, not only will we help to alleviate human suffering, but we'll, we'll, we will help to um, control the costs, which are enormous, 
because every one of these visits is you know costs three or four hundred dollars. So, but yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think I think that that really falls back on uh, on uh, this truism, and that is that you know we make, we assume as healthcare providers that people understand what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know that, that that it seems to be self-relevant, but it isn't. A lot of people make mistakes. A lot of people are, uh, are they don't they don't they don't follow the directions properly, and uh, and they get themselves into trouble. You know, especially when you have multiple medications where people are taking 12 or 13 drugs at the same time, and uh, and there's all the all the uh, important things about taking them before meals or after meals or not with this drug at a different time and so forth. But even further than that, now a lot of people, because of the internet, are, are pretty quite knowledgeable about other things they can be doing. So they may be on herbal remedies, and they may be doing a lot of homeopathic things, which are which, which just add to the complications of the mix. And I think that uh, all this means is that uh, it's a kind of a two-edged sword. We have to be very careful to provide the proper information. Don't assume people under, uh, understand something or or it's implicit. Making sure it's clear. And at the same time, uh, you know, being a bit innovative in the sense that we got to understand that they may be taking other things and 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 and, and experimenting with homeopathics, which could be also complicate, complicating things as well. So, you know, it's very important to stay active with the uh, with the uh, caregiver and with the patient, and to be always available to uh, to respond to any questions they may have, and to ensure that they really understand the importance of taking their medication in the prescribed fashion that it's uh, that it's been uh, you know been written down. So you're saying, are you? This is a leading question that uh, pharmacists helping to. Um, prevent these emergencies we've been talking about would actually save costs and burden on the healthcare system. Well, hugely, hugely. Unfortunately, a lot of people, uh, certainly here in Ontario and Canada, and uh, probably in the United States as well, they just don't have access to a family physician. So the minute that any problem they have, they really have only one of two choices. They go to uh, an emergency room or they go to a walk-in clinic. And uh, very often their their problem is very minor, and uh, and uh, they end up in emergency. Of course, or they're triaged, and they're immediately put to the back of the line, and uh, they wait there for seven or eight hours to be seen about a minor ailment, which could have been you know resolved more more easily by talking to a pharmacist. So this very I know that certainly in in our uh, in our in our location we do a lot of this. Probably, I would say in a given day we would probably and this is a this is a pharmacy that fills 300 prescriptions a day, so it's a busy 80,000 prescriptions a year. So it's a busy busy uh, operation. But in any in any given day, I would say we would probably have an opportunity to prevent. Uh, six to ten needless visits to emergency rooms. Wow. But, and but, easily, but, easily. Let's say even six. So six times, yes, let's say, yes. three or four hundred dollars, which is what costs a hospital service, is uh, two or three thousand dollars a day. Right. Very good. Now, I'm going to just press on with this, with this idea of things going wrong. I recently read a report about thieves making off with medications worth tens of thousands of dollars when they raided a community pharmacy. The medications involved very addictive ones, the ones that are called opioids, which as you know very well, are derived from or related to opium. Then I saw another report about a home invasion leading to the theft of similar medications, but that one ended in a death. So without being too dramatic, I'm going to ask you, what risk do you see for family caregivers who are providing care to persons who need medications of the type that criminals go after? Well, I suppose, you know, if, uh, I mean, criminals are opportunists, really. When they break into a house, I suppose, they're really looking for valuables like jewelry and so forth. If they see the drugs, they'll probably take them as well. But they, you know, they're, they're, they may have some prior knowledge. I suppose if there was a neighbor and uh, and they knew that, uh, that this medication was in the house, they may go after it specifically. Um, and so that, you know, there is a danger to the caregiver in that sense. 
Uh, pharmacies have always been vulnerable, of course, because everybody knows they have these drugs, and so um, it's it's pretty common for <laughs> pharmacies to be broken into. So there's all kinds of security systems now that never existed before to try to um, you know to try to. Uh, not not so much to uh, well to try to prevent really by 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 showing deterrence I suppose you know everything's kept in safes and so forth uh, you know I think probably smaller quantities are important um, and this just came to mind now these these are very powerful medications and uh, and most of the people that have them are going to be on them for a long time so they tend to be chronic you know palliative type whatever analgesics. So it's it's important that uh, you know not huge quantities are dispensed in the hundreds or two hundreds, which sometimes happens for cost base for 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 cost reasons. Uh, you know, people like to get huge quantities of these things so they don't have to pay as many dispensing fees, and, and also just the trouble of going back and forth. But then you've really created a problem because that's a real target when you know you've got two or three hundred oxycontin in a bottle worth maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars on the street. So I think you know managing the quantities. Compliance packaging is always very good in that sense because you're uh, only dispensing maybe a week's supply of medication. Right. Fair enough. Now I want to talk about. Just ask you this question. Again, it's prevention. What can or are doing um, the community pharmacists to help protect family caregivers in what I'll call that security frame of reference? What are they doing? What are you going to do more? To help them in terms of uh, the security around the medication? (laughs) Well, I suppose, you know, uh, know, I'm just groping a little bit on this one. I I didn't think security was such a big issue, but I guess it could be. I mean, you know, we don't want to be too obvious about uh, when this medication is dispensed. I suppose there's the, you know, we, we, we... we don't have to make a big noise about what's in the package or anything like that. <laughs> so I suppose, uh, you know, keeping it private, keeping the quantity small, making suggestions, I suppose, as to where it's supposed to be stored at home. Um, I suppose if we feel that there's any vulnerability in the sense that, I don't know, let's say, for example, a pharmacy is in a bit of a dodgy area and uh, we're concerned about the person walking home or something like that, then I suppose we can offer to um, to deliver the product right to their hands at home rather than have it you know, going through the streets where maybe they're, they'll be more vulnerable. I don't think security is such a massive issue, and I don't have that much uh, uh, experience with it, and certainly in the area that I am in, but I can imagine that it could be a real problem in other uh, in other locations. Okay, perfectly fair. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, about technology. I'm probably talking about information technology, but I may be talking about other things. What, how do pharmacies use technology you know, to prevent medical emergencies, side effects, all the rest of it? How do they use the technology now, and how do they see it evolving? Yeah, it's huge, huge. Uh, technology is huge in pharmacy because it's really, it's, it's really all about data and managing data and managing information. So in the sense that technology has affected all that area. So, you know, when there's patient intake, we obviously take a lot of information, including, you know, names and address. We also take a lot of allergy information, things uh, uh, things that uh, that they're allergic to, other conditions that could have an effect on their on their health. So as, uh, as they're prescribed medications and medications is dispensed to them, uh, the computers are always uh, managing uh, that information, and we get flashes right away. You know, I mean, an obvious one would be an allergic, allergic, say, for example, the penicillin. So as long as the pharmacy, as long as the patient goes back to the same pharmacy, because remember, the information is only contained in the one pharmacy. So, um, so uh, the whole area of polypharmacy is not good because when people do that, they're breaking up their medical information into pieces, and there's no interrelationship. What do you mean by? Poly- that means uh, going to different drugstores every time, you know, going to three or four different drugstores, you know, treating them like grocery stores in a sense that uh, they just shop wherever they happen to be. By going to one pharmacy, all the data goes into that one pharmacy's data bank. <clears throat> so when they go back with a prescription for something else, then we would know what their other medications are. We would be able to, we would be able to identify an interaction because we already know what they're on. 
so going to one pharmacy is very important for for um, for uh, managing the, uh, the their medication. So we can do. You know, not only allergies, but drug interactions. <clears throat> we can put in there uh, other things that they may be taking, like uh, herbal medicines and so forth. So we can prevent a lot of problems as long as all of the data is in one place. Good and the computer that. does that for us. Now, we are heading into the break shortly. Um, so very quickly, um, what about using technology to communicate directly with the family caregivers through the Internet or email? Is that the sort of thing you use? Will you use it more in the future? We don't, but you know, it's going to happen. Definitely, you know, uh, definitely more. I mean, in the sense that, uh, you know, refill reminders or, or, or uh, more information about the specific uh, disease state or, or, or new developments or issues around the drugs that they're taking, definitely will be using the internet more. Uh, and that's happening. Not, not, not a lot just now, but it will be. Okay. Well, perhaps come back to that um, in the fourth segment because it's now time for us to take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is pharmacist executive Bill Brown. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite. Please stay with us. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. When your car starts to gasp and sputter, you take it in for a tune-up. But what about when you get tired and need help? Sounds like it's time for a life tune-up. Simple, straightforward advice and techniques to help inspire and guide you in weathering life's challenges and finding your true purpose. Each week, Lauren and Shore Slocum will give you the tools to tune up your life in a way that's easy and fun. Stop making excuses and live your life. Tune in to Life Tune-Ups, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and tune up your life today. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and to our guest, Bill Brown. Our topic is pharmacists and family caregivers. Now, we've been talking a lot about what pharmacists already do to assist family caregivers, but there's a question of what more they can do, and what more they can do may be, um, to some degree anyway, um, influenced by the kind of obstacles that pharmacists face. So, Bill, I'm going to ask you this, the question this way. Let's suppose that you are appointed by the government to oversee the development of policies for family caregivers, and I'm talking about policies relating pharmacists uh, to, shall we say, the service of family caregivers. What are the things you'd propose? How would these help pharmacists overcome the obstacles they face in providing more and more enhanced services to family caregivers? Bill? You know, I think the biggest obstacle is the area of compensation and how we um, how we allocate healthcare dollars, not only to pharmacists but to the whole healthcare system. 
<clears throat> the problem we have in North America and the world, I guess, today is, you know, we have this huge demographic where the baby boomers are all going to be, you know, entering uh, the, the later stages now, and they're going to be putting huge demands on healthcare. So there's few healthcare dollars, and and all of it's being allocated to dealing with the issues as they arise. And less than one percent is 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 really allocated to prevention. And that's just because the dollars are scarce. But I think pharmacists could play a major role if they were compensated for doing some of the things in the area of prevention. And they're not. You know, largely uh, pharmacy is still a uh, you know still a business where where money is made only when a commodity is, is exchanged, where a product is sold and there's a you know there's a it rings up in the cash register if you wish. So, so the emphasis has to move to more on the prevention side, and more to uh, to compensating pharmacists for things that they do other than through the sale of a product. And that's happening a little bit up here now, uh, certainly in Ontario. Uh, pharmacists are being compensated for doing this, something called a med check, where they sit down with the patient and go over their go over their uh, medications when they have three or four medications. And discuss, you know, interactions and side effects, and 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 way of managing their uh, medications better, so that they don't get into trouble, and they're compensated for that. So no product is no product is uh, transmitted or, or, or conveyed, but still they're they're paid a certain amount of money for basically educating and uh, spending time with the patient, and more of that kind of money would be would be uh, would be what it would, would create a great return really over the long term. So that's one of the obstacles. I think that's very important is the area of compensation and how we reward people for uh, for doing certain things. Um, I think too. I think uh, uh, you know creating the right environment for uh, for this type of dialogue to take place. Most pharmacies have private consultation areas. They should be using them more. Uh, they should be encouraging uh, you know uh, whether whether it's a family caregiver, the patient themselves. To, to to be open to uh, dialogue and to discussing any areas of concern that they may have, but, but clearly compensation and 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 more money really and, and and this is really not just for for pharmacy or family caregivers. It's, it's the whole healthcare system really needs to focus much more on preventing uh, preventing problems before they occur. The whole area. I mean, I could talk forever about obesity, which is a massive massive issue that. Uh, that we're dealing with uh, that is going to have huge repercussions if we don't deal with it at its source today. Bill, you earlier in our discussion had said that there was there were considerable savings to the healthcare system by avoiding these, what can I call them, um, medical emergencies that lead people to go to emergency rooms and that kind of thing. And you put some numbers to that. You, you, you talk dollars. Would you be in a position as a pharmacist, as a profession, or as an organization to speak to government and put actual value to the total savings as part of your argument for more and better compensation? Yeah, it wouldn't even be a hard argument. It would be a very easy argument. I mean, you know, we all know what these things cost when a person shows up. You know, they have a small rash on their arm, and they show up in the emergency room. We know that. You know, we know the cost of somebody having to look at it and everything else. We know the hospitals know exactly what it costs every time they have to service, uh, uh, you know, an emergency room patient. Here in Ontario, they're consolidating emergency rooms, and it's causing a real kerfuffle where small towns are losing their emergency rooms. And they have to travel further to get uh, to get to uh, to an emergency room. And sometimes, when it's a real emergency, as happened recently in the Welland area, uh, a young person actually lost their lives. And there's there's a kerfuffle as to whether had the local hospital emergency room been open, they might have not lost their lives. Now we don't know for sure if that's the case, but it's a very emotional and sensitive issue. So we know the cost of that. So. Um, you know, plugging up these rooms with people who are, and mostly, I would say probably more than half of the uh, people sitting in that waiting room are not really emergencies at all. They're just looking for <clears throat> family care, that's all. They're looking for some good advice, you know. They, they may have a, a virus or something that they don't even need medication for, but they need to manage it by going home and uh, and resting and drinking lots of fluids, a lot of stuff that your mother told you to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, common sense kind of uh, common sense kind of things that we need to do. So many people really think that 
everything needs to be treated with a drug. Anybody that watches television notices that half of the commercials at any time of day are all about ailments, whether it's sniffles or toenail fungus or this or that. So, you know, the public is really being inundated that for every little tiny problem they have, all they have to do is go buy something for it, and it'll go away. Yeah. Whereas, really, most of these things are just uh, not treated. You don't have to treat them with anything. Just common sense. Let time. Let Mother Nature heal you. Uh, but we have a we have a we have a population that believes that potions are the are the solution to all their problems. They're all looking for the right product. You know. Um, just a quick joke. But pharmacists sell potions, but don't respond to me on that one. Now, let me put a, a more serious point to you. What I think you're talking about is uh, almost uh, a, a downloading of responsibilities from, shall we say, hospitals um, to individual professionals and practitioners in the community. Um, of that group, um, pharmacists play a role. Um, is that a trend that... You know, supposing you're standing for election now, is that a trend you would want to encourage? This overall delegation from organizations like hospitals to professionals in the community. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think, and I guess from a cost control perspective, uh, this is the way to do it. Um, you know, the days where uh, every single person that has any ailment has to go and see their physician are over. There aren't enough physicians, and it's not a very costly and efficient method of uh, treating. Uh, you know, treating a lot of these issues. So I think it's like a pyramid. The more you can download, and you know, the pharmacists aren't the only ones, but nurse practitioners are playing a much uh, wider role now uh, in, in in providing healthcare to the community. I think the more that we can take care of these things that, you know, rem but remembering that a lot of things are not even, a lot of things that are, are really being created by, you know, the pharmaceutical manufacturers and television, and people people think they have problems they don't even really have. So a lot of the time it's just a matter of educating them and saying, look, forget about it. This is not something you need to deal with. You know, it's going to go away. Largely, that most of most of the things that uh, people suffer from are things that if they do nothing, um, it, it, they'll be fine in a week type of thing. You know, so so. So cost containment is educating people and getting them, you know, getting them to understand that they don't have to take medicines and, and do things for every little thing that happens to them. Right. So what we're actually talking about is quite a revolution. And part of that revolution that I see, and again, where the break is looming up, part of the revolution I see is writing family caregivers into that script. That is to say, recognizing family caregivers as an important link in the healthcare chain, uh, important people to whom healthcare, aspects of healthcare are being delegated, and supporting them in the ways you've been talking about, and in some of the other ways that some of the uh, contributors to this show, the guests in this show have made, have, have made. That is, there's a need for training, education, better information support for family caregivers. Now, first off, do you agree with me that family caregivers should be seen in that way? Uh, that is, as part of the healthcare system that's going to be downloaded to. What do you think? Yes, I think I think your point is a good one, uh, Gordon. Um, you know, and, and you know, there's the issue of trust too between the patient and the patient, uh, the family caregiver. So, in other words, and they're in a position of power too, very often. So uh, it's very important that they're, um, you know, that they're educated and seen to be an, an integral uh, member of the team. Absolutely. Right. So if we can get a movement going with family caregivers, we can count on the support of pharmacists, can we? I think so. Absolutely. Great. <laughs> That's great. Now, we are closing now, um, and that is the end of this particular show. And as I've said before, please, to our listeners, uh, we do invite you to email us with your comments and your questions. Um, we do um, also welcome suggestions for things that we haven't discussed, because that's very important. Now, thank you to our guest, Bill Brown. Um, he shared his insights with us, and they're pretty broad-ranging, but he did support the idea that family caregivers are part of the team, 
which is, I think, something that's starting to be recognized. And he pointed to changes that are occurring um, and that are needed so that family caregivers are able to receive more enhanced support from pharmacists. So thank you, Bill. Now, you. Our, next, our next episode is about security for family caregivers and the family members they care for. That's another difficult topic. Um, so we, I'd like to invite you, the audience, please, to join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. And thank you for listening today. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.